How many of you here this morning would say that you are very happy in life? Now, I'm not looking for a, a show of hands, but as I asked that question and you, and you answered, if you answered yes, did you know that you'd be an outlier in this nation? If you answered that you, would be, that you are currently very happy in life, you are a complete outlier. Back in June, the NORC, the National Opinion Research Center, released a study that said 14%, only 14% of Americans are very happy in life. And if that study holds true, that means that there are over 80% of people who are unhappy, or in other words, unsatisfied with the way their life has gone. They are unsatisfied with some of, if not most of, their lives. Be it familial or financial, be it career or community, most people in America, over 80% of Amer Americans would say, yeah, I am unsatisfied. In the pandemic, in the lockdown, it only exacerbated that truth. And what do we as human creatures do when we find ourselves unsatisfied with the way that something is going or the unsatisfied with the majority of life? We find ways to import satisfaction to make up for the ways that we are unsatisfied. And I think that that, that truth is so clearly seen at Christmas time. We try to find satisfaction in Christmas in a myriad of ways. We do so by putting up trees and adorning it with shiny ornaments and very, very bright lights. We do so by procuring gifts for the ones that we love and hoping that maybe underneath that tree sits one of the gifts for us. We do so by planning, by planning parties for friends and family to gather around those that we love with food and music and games for the celebration of Christmas. We have so utterly convinced ourselves that the things we do in preparation for and in celebration of Christmas are the things that are going to bring us satisfaction. But what happens? But inevitably happens every single year. Christmas comes and goes. The presents that were once under the tree are unwrapped and the wrapping paper is thrown away and you place them in cupboards or in closets. The people that you invited over for the parties, they all left. The food is all gone. The games are put away. And that tree that has sat up in your living room since, well, in our case, since the beginning of November is now packed up and the lights are wrapped up and the ornaments are put in boxes and it's all shoved in the attic until 11 months later when it's ready to be put up again. And do you know, after all that happens, where, where we are left? We're left feeling the same way we did before Christmas. We're left feeling completely and utterly unsatisfied. And do you know why that is? It's because we're looking for satisfaction this Christmas in all of the wrong people, in all of the wrong places, in all of the wrong things. We place our hope to find satisfaction this Christmas in people and those people eventually leave. And not only do they leave, but since they are sinful like you and me, they will eventually let you down. We place our hope in finding satisfaction this Christmas in trees that die, in lights that burn out, in bulbs that are in uh, ornaments that shatter. We place our hope this Christmas in surrounding ourselves with a myriad of people only for them to take off. And, and then at the very end of it, we feel unsatisfied. We place our hope in, in finding satisfaction in the gifts, in the giving and receiving of gifts. We enjoy giving gifts, but the problem is the gifts aren't always received with the kind of anticipation and joy that we hope. And then the gifts that we receive maybe aren't even the things that we wanted and we put on a face, right? There's a problem with just gifts in and of themselves. The human creature is never quite satisfied with what he has. And so even if he does get the things that he wants, it's never quite enough. And so you're left in this vicious cycle of being unsatisfied with the things that you receive and unsatisfied with not having enough. And this is where we find ourselves almost every Christmas. 
in some way, shape, or form, we're left feeling unsatisfied. And so if all of that is true, if you find yourself feeling that way, even in the slightest, how can we actually find satisfaction in Christmas? What's the key to finding satisfaction in Christmas? Well, John the Baptist, he actually shows us this morning in our gospel as he's being interrogated by this group of religious leaders who are largely unsatisfied. Last week in, in Mark chapter one, we looked at the calling that God gave to John the Baptist, that John the Baptist was to be the voice of God that cried out in the wilderness, the one who was to prepare the way for the Lord, to make straight paths for him. But John couldn't give a lick about dirt, dirt roads or what the cities looked like. The thing that John was most concerned about was right here. It was preparing people's hearts for the coming of Jesus. And the way in which he did that was through a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then after he baptized people, he gave them a message. He said, I baptize with water, but the one who comes after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John pointed away from himself and pointed people to Jesus. And all of this pointing and all of this preparation and all of this baptizing and preaching that John was doing created quite a ruckus in the Judean countryside outside of Jerusalem. Because as John began his work, we're told that the whole Judean countryside came to John as well as a great multitude from Jerusalem. And these religious leaders in Jerusalem, they were curious about what was going on out there, what was going on outside of these city walls, because these religious leaders thought, maybe, maybe this guy, maybe he's the one. Maybe he is God's fulfillment of Genesis chapter 3, that promise that God sent, that God was going to send a Messiah. Maybe he is the long-promised Messiah. And so to find out what these religious leaders do is they send a group, a group of priests and Levites. And these priests and Levites, they come to John and they ask him a series of seven questions to figure out who he is. First, they ask John, are you the Christ? John boldly witnesses and says, I am not the Christ. You'd hope that those religious leaders would be satisfied enough with that answer, but they're unsatisfied, so they ask John two more questions. Who are you then? Are you Elijah, the prophet that God took up in the whirlwind to heaven? No, I am not. Unsatisfied still, they ask him another question. Are you the prophet, the, fulfill the fulfillment of Deuteronomy 18, where God through Moses says, God will raise up for you one like me from among your own brothers? John says, no, I am not. Unsatisfied once again, these religious leaders then ask him two more questions in succession. Who then are you? What do you have to say about yourself? And John gives a marvelous answer. He carries out his calling from God to be this voice masterfully. He says to those religious leaders, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. John did exactly what God called him to do. He pointed away from himself and pointed to Christ. These religious leaders, they had everything that they needed. They, had, they should have been satisfied with the answers that John had given and actually should have found satisfaction in asking about the Lord to whom John was pointing, and yet still they find themselves completely dissatisfied. So what do they do? They ask yet another question. If you are not the Christ, if you are not Elijah, if you are not the prophet, then why in all of the world are you baptizing? In other words, what they want to figure out is, where did you get the authority to do something like this? With each question that these men ask, you can see how unsatisfied they are, and you can see that you can see it all boiling over in their hearts. Instead of asking about the Lord to whom John was pointing, they keep asking about John. 
And so why were they so unsatisfied that they kept asking question after question after question about who John was and what John was doing and if he, if he was the fulfillment of all of these promises? Well, the answer is really quite simple. I think with these men, what started out as genuine curiosity, wondering who John was, very quickly morphed into jealousy. Because instead of being concerned about the one John was pointing to, they were super concerned with what John was doing. They were more concerned about the one who was pointing. They were more concerned about him baptizing, doing something that they thought only religious leaders should be doing. They were more concerned about John forgiving sins, something that they thought only God should be doing. They were so concerned about that that they completely, completely looked past the fact that John was pointing to someone else. They were so concerned with why John was baptizing that they looked past the reason that baptism was being carried out to point people to Jesus. John kept pointing people to Jesus, and yet these religious leaders remained largely unsatisfied. And do you know why? Because they were looking for satisfaction in the wrong person. They were looking for satisfaction in the one who was pointing and the one who was answering questions rather than the one to whom he was pointing. And look, here's the deal for us. If you and I look to people and things and the things that we do at Christmas to find satisfaction, you and I will never, will never find or be fully satisfied because your pastor's Christmas Eve sermon could have been better than the year, could have been better like it was the year before. The worship could have, could have been more inspiring. The ornaments could shine more brightly. The lights or the ornaments could sparkle more brilliantly. The lights could shine more brightly. The gifts could have been grander. The people that you gather around your table, well, they could be happier. Here's the truth, and it's one, that, it's one that God needed to sink deeply into my heart this week. If you and I look to the ones or to the things that are pointing you forward to Christ as if they are Christ, as if they are the reason we celebrate Christmas, as if they are the one or the things in whom we find satisfaction, we'll never find it. Not once. You'll always be left feeling empty. And yet this is what Satan and the world try to convince you of. The world tries to convince you that more lights equals greater joy, that more, more gifts equals a greater sense of fulfillment, that a myriad of people gathered around your table means that you are just going to be so happy and that this, this is the recipe for, the, for finding all of the satisfaction you need in this life. But you know what? We've tried it. We've tried all of it. And it never, ever works. And so your God this morning, he's got a different message for you. He's got a different recipe for finding satisfaction this Christmas. And he says to you and to me, he speaks to all of our hearts, and he says, don't look to the tree or to the lights or to the ornaments, to the presents or the food that is gathered on your table. Instead, look to what those things point you to. Don't look to those things to find your satisfaction. Instead, find your satisfaction in what those things point you to. Find your satisfaction in the one that John the Baptist is pointing you to. When those religious leaders had asked John, if you are not the Christ, if you are not the Messiah, if you are not Elijah, if you are not the prophet, then why are you baptizing? Do you remember how it is that John responded? Did you notice that he didn't give an answer at all to the question that they asked? Instead, what he does is once again carry out his call from God beautifully. He points people away from himself and points them to Jesus. He says, I baptize with water, 
but there is one who stands in your midst whom you do not know, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. John points people to Jesus. And to those religious leaders and to you and me this morning, John is doing that same exact thing. The pointer is pointing. He is pointing us to the one in whom true and lasting satisfaction can be found. He is pointing us to the one who is the true and better prophet, powerful in word and deed. He is pointing us forward to the one who who didn't just speak the word of God, but who is the word of God himself in flesh and blood, the word that binds up your broken heart, the word that releases you from the captivity of your sin, the word whose light shines through the darkness of the prison of sin and death that you were brought into this world. John the Baptist this morning, he is pointing you to the one in whom you have true and lasting satisfaction. He is pointing you forward to the true and better Elijah, the one who would stand on the mountain and yet not go to battle with the prophets of Baal, but would rather wage war against the greatest enemies of God's people, sin, death, and Satan himself. John is pointing you forward to the one in whom there is true and lasting satisfaction, the one who is greater than he, more worthy than he, the one, who, the one that he is not even worthy to stoop down and perform the duty of a slave in untying his sandals. John is pointing you forward to Christ, to the Messiah of God, the one anointed by God for a singular purpose, to win satisfaction for you. John is pointing you forward to the one who took on flesh and blood, was born in Bethlehem to a virgin, and laid in a manger. John is pointing you forward to the one who lived a life worthy of standing before the holy, perfect God and laid that life down for you as the perfect sacrifice. And it is that sacrifice that satisfied the wrath of God. It is that sacrifice that made satisfaction for your sins. And now because of that sacrifice that made satisfaction for your sins, your God says to you, I place a crown of beauty on your head. It's because of that sacrifice of, that made satisfaction for you that your God says, I clothe you in garments of salvation. It's because of that sacrifice that made satisfaction for you that your God says, I have arrayed you in robes of righteousness. You see, finding satisfaction this Christmas, it doesn't come from the lights that hang on your tree. It comes from what those lights point you to. The one who is the light of the world that shines through all of the terrible darkness that exists. Finding satisfaction this Christmas, it doesn't come from the gifts that we pile up under the tree. It comes from what those gifts point you to, the greatest gift that the world has ever been given, the Son of God taking on flesh and blood, wrapped in cloths and placed in a feeding trough. Finding satisfaction this Christmas doesn't come from the man standing before you or the words that he speaks. It comes from the word of God that he uses to point you and prepare your hearts. It comes from the one that he is constantly pointing you to. Finding satisfaction this Christmas, it comes from one person, one person alone. It comes from Christ Jesus. This is the satisfaction, and this is the one that you have been pointed to time and time again by John the Baptist, by me, by any of the other pastors that you have had. And it is because of this satisfaction that was won for you and is given to you as a gift through faith that the Apostle Paul encourages us to live in a very specific way. He says it's because of this satisfaction that we can be joyful always. That we can give thanks in every, every circumstance because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you notice what Paul is doing? He's acting so similar to John, isn't he? 
He's pointing you. He's pointing you to the one in whom you have true and lasting satisfaction. And he says, this is the cause for you to be joyful always. And the reason that you should give thanks in every circumstance, because it doesn't matter how awful the world is, how terrible your life has become. It doesn't matter even what our Christmas celebration looks like, because we know it's probably going to be different. What matters is that you have been given true and lasting satisfaction, and this brings you a joy that nothing can take from you. And it's because you've been given this true and lasting satisfaction that you can give thanks. You can give thanks in every single circumstance because you know the one in whom you find satisfaction this Christmas. You and I have been pointed by John the Baptist to Jesus, to the one where we find satisfaction this Christmas. But sadly, there are so many in our world and in our community who have yet to be pointed to him. There are neighbors who adorn their house with lights and yet live in the dark. There are family members who pile up gifts underneath their tree and yet still live lives that are empty. They are our friends who, who think that by gathering a myriad of people around their table that they will find fulfillment and yet they just end up being sad. They're the part of the 80% of America who is largely unsatisfied with life. And do you know why that is? It's because they've been searching for satisfaction in all of the wrong people, in all of the wrong places, in all of the wrong things. Not just at Christmas, but in life. You have all been pointed to the one in whom you find true and lasting satisfaction. And do you know what that equips all of you to do and to be? It equips you to be one of the people that God has used for centuries and will continue to use to the end of time to be a pointer, to be the one who confidently stands and says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, look, here is the one in whom you have true and lasting satisfaction. And so this week, I want, you to, I want you to take the invitation that's in your service folder and I want you to pray. I want you to think of one of those people in your life who has always been searching for satisfaction in this life, but has never been able to find it. And after you pray, I want you to take that card and I want you to give it to them. And I want you to explain to them that on Christmas Eve, you will hear a message from the Word of God from our pastor about the one, that baby born in Bethlehem, who came to win satisfaction and who actually gives you satisfaction for this life and for the next. Explain to them that they will find meaning and purpose and joy and peace, and real hope. They'll find everything that they've been searching for. No matter who or what you have looked for to find satisfaction in Christmas's past, I, I pray that this Christmas for each and every one of you is different. I pray that each of you look to Jesus as the only source of true and lasting satisfaction. God grant it. Amen.